Amen. Be seated. We're so glad to see you this morning. Children, go to Children's Church this morning. And uh, we forgot to happy birthday. October is the strangest month here because we've got birthdays today. It's Richard's birthday on the 3rd. Uh, then tomorrow is Laura's birthday, and then Tuesday is Josie's birthday. So uh, happy birthday to y'all. Uh, we let Evelyn get away, so we don't have piano players play happy birthday. But you just pretend we sang to you uh, happy birthday. And, uh, so, and uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, uh, you'll turn to Second Timothy chapter 1. And we are excited about revival coming uh, starting next week and are looking forward to a great time and hope you'll be able to come and join us uh, for that and uh, expecting the Lord to do uh, some great things uh, for us as a church. And um, I think we all have times in our life where we, we need revival and uh, I think that we can't have too much of God's work. Uh, no matter how much we're getting, we can always use some more. Uh, and I think we all would agree with that. And uh, this morning I want to speak to you about stirring the lumps out. And Leslie said, you know what, the other day, I can't remember what my sermon was about, but it had food mentioned in it. And Leslie said, you must be hungry. And I said, well, that day I was. I'm not really today. But uh, food's something we all have in common. Uh, we all like food. Uh, some of us obviously like it a whole lot better than others, but... Uh, we, we, we all like it, we all need it, and uh, so, um, and it, with birthdays this week, three birthdays, uh, there'll probably be some birthday cake made, and when you're making cake, you know, you, you mix up the batter, if you do it the way most of us do it, not like Miss Barbara grew up doing it, and probably still does, where she takes the flour and all those 50 ingredients, Miss Barbara says she doesn't do that no more. Did you ever do it, Miss Barbara? Did you ever do it? All right, so she wasn't a baker, but that's all right. Anyway, you know, the old old time, way, you know, they had, and still the best cakes are homemade. You know, we get those 50 ingredients, but now guess what? They got a box, and all you got to add is two eggs, a little bit of oil, and some water, and stir it up. And once you stir it up enough where all the lumps are gone, you pour it into a pan, bake it, and, man, you've got goodness, especially when you add some good frosting on the top of it. Uh, but you've got to get the lumps out. Well, uh, Paul tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 1 that we've got to get the lumps out of our Christian life. We've got to stir ourselves up. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to begin reading in verse 5 of 2 Timothy chapter 1. It says, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded as in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, 
who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed as a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher to the Gentiles. For this reason I also suffer uh, these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and persuaded that he is able uh, to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And so Paul tells us uh, three things that we need to stir. Uh, and I want us to pay particular attention, especially as we approach revival, uh, because I want to tell you that though you might, you're in church and there, there's time, you need revival. Our church needs revival. But can I tell you more importantly that there are people in your family and in your neighborhood that need desperately God to work in their life. They need revival. They once knew God, but they've wandered far away from him. Um, and when they're not going to get it from this world, but if you get a fire lit under you, guess what? Those around you are going to see that. And that may be what God uses uh, to spread that fire uh, to, to others. Uh, and so perhaps you say, well, I don't need revival. When we think we don't need revival, the truth is we need it more than anybody else when we think we don't need it. Um, God, we need God to stir and work in our lives constantly. And so Paul here is writing to this young preacher whose name is Timothy. Paul won to the Lord, probably won his grandmother and his mother to the Lord as well. Um, and has answered the call to preach and is leading a church. Uh, and so Paul has now written twice. This is the second letter that Paul has written to Timothy. And this is how he began. He said, I know the faith that is in you. I know that you belong to Jesus Christ. Therefore, I want you to stir up some things. I want you to stir up the gifts that God has given to you and use it. Don't let it just settle and begin to separate, but you keep it stirred up and use it. And so the first thing that I want us to talk about stirring this morning is we need to stir out fear. Now, this is something we don't stir up, but we need to stir it out of our life. Timothy was young and uh, a young preacher, and so uh, with that, he was somewhat timid. Um, and Paul said, listen, you don't have anything to be ashamed of and you don't have anything to be afraid of. Uh, God has called you and God is working in your life, so you have no reason to be afraid. He said, God has not given you a spirit of fear. And you know what keeps us from accomplishing what God wants in our life more than anything else? Is fear. What, what if I fail? What if it doesn't turn out the way that I think it should? What if I totally mess it up? Well, here's the great thing about God's plan. You can't mess it up too bad that he can't fix it. And he has something, remember, he said, listen, God has called me, God has called you, and God has given you gifts, and he says to us today, church, that God has called you, 
and given you gifts, but a lot of times we don't use them because we're afraid to. Well, people will call me Holy Roller. They'll say, man, you're just, you just think you're super religious, man. And God's not calling us to works. And he's not calling us to religion, but what he's calling us to is a relationship. And when we're in a relationship with God, God is able to do things, and God wants to do things through your life. And so Paul says to Timothy, and Paul says to us, do not allow fear to keep you from doing what God intends for you to do in your life. So it may be fear of, you know, the task seems too, good, too big, and the truth of the matter is, is if something God asks you to do, you say, yeah, I can do that, no problem. That's not God asking you to do it. God's not going to ask you to do something that you don't have any problem doing. God is going to ask you to do things that you can't do on your own. You need Him to accomplish. And so, but God will ask you to do big things, but if you're afraid, you're not going to do big things. When I think about fear in the Bible, I think back to King David. And not King David when he was on a throne, but King David when he was a teenage boy. There was a war going on between the the Israelites and the Philistines. And David's brothers were off at that war, and uh, Jesse, David's dad, had sent David to take some food and supplies to his brother. And you remember that when David got to the scene, he couldn't find anybody. They were all in their tents. They said, what on earth is going on? And you remember why they were in their tents and why they were afraid because the Philistines had this nine-foot big bad dude. He was Andre the Giant on steroids. And they were afraid of him. Who is this filthy Philistine? If you... Pansies aren't willing to go fight him. I'll fight him myself. And we all know how the story ended, that David took five stones, put them in his pocket, took one out, got a slingshot, and that old giant fell dead. Well, if David had been afraid like the rest of the soldiers, that would never have happened. Can I tell you that God would have done that same thing with Saul the king or with one of David's brothers or any of the other Israelite army if they had gone out in faith and picked up five rocks and put them in their pocket and took one out? God would have taken that stone. You see, it wasn't the size of the stone. It wasn't that David had a real big, powerful arm and he worked up one wallop of a, you know, energy. And no, it was the power of God that got behind that stone and it was God that slew Goliath. We find that all throughout, incidents like that all throughout the Bible. But can I tell you that that power and, and faith is something that God wants to do in our lives today. That God does not want us living in fear. 
You know what? There's a lot of things in this world to be afraid of. Every day it seems like there's on the news somebody in Jackson or somebody in our area has gotten shot. Road rage on the interstate. You know, people just driving down the interstate. Go, you know, and people are this world is, is crazy. And yet, we don't stay home. We're not afraid to drive. Why? Well, because, you, you know, we take risks every day when we do things. Now, hopefully we're smart and we take, you know, uh, thought-out risk, not blind risk, but, you know. We, you know, and a lot of people are afraid of, of sickness and this COVID business and lots of things going in our, in our world that there's a, just a lot of fear. And if we're not careful as Christians, we allow it to come into our life. And you know what Paul says to us this morning? The same thing that he said to Timothy. Do not let fear keep you from doing what God wants you to do. Understand that, you know what, fear is the absence of faith. What will do away with fear is faith. Knowing that whatever comes, you'll be okay. Why are you okay? Not because you're super strong. And not because you're super able. Because, but because you have a super strong and a super able God that's going with you. And so you can do anything that God has asked you to do. And that it's actually, remember, God doing it through you. And we say, well, you know what? My past is you know, not the greatest. You know, if people knew who I used to be, you know, they just wouldn't, you know, I couldn't. And so... We don't do anything for the Lord because we think we're unworthy. You know what that is? That's fear. Because the Bible says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have become new. If you once were something bad and Jesus Christ has come into your life, you're something new. And the people of God are encouraged by that. They're, they're not, oh no, you... Yeah. No. And yet Satan uses fear to keep us from doing what God intends for us to do. And so Paul says, stir it out. Get rid of it. Replace that fear with faith in God. And so he says, you know what? I know that that faith is in you. That same faith that's in your grandmother and your mother. It's in you too. And friend, if you know that you have been saved and you're a child of God, then let me tell you something. You should not live your life in fear, but in faith. And so that's one thing that Paul says, get rid of. Get it out of your life. But he secondly says, you know what? You need to stir up your calling. 
says, remember that God has come in, He saved you, and listen, here's an important truth. God did not just save you from sin and the penalty of sin, which is death. And I'm thankful that Jesus' innocent, sinless blood was shed for my sin debt and your sin debt and the sin debt of the whole world. But Jesus Christ did not just save you from something, He saved you for something. He saved you so that you could become a child of God and you could become a co-laborer with God. There are things that God has created you especially for and that God has gifted you to be able to do things that no one else can do. And God has sent you on a path. And said, this is what I want you to do. So he said, listen, we have this calling, this holy calling. And understand that every child of God has a calling in your life. Calling on Paul's life was to be a missionary and a church planner. His call on Timothy's life was to be a pastor. And to be a preacher. Maybe God is putting, calling you to preach. To pastor. But if, even if he's not, you say, oof, I'm off the hook. Let me assure you, God is calling you to something. Maybe it is going and being a missionary, helping, helping a a team of church planners somewhere, maybe in Mississippi, maybe in the United States, maybe in Africa or Asia somewhere, maybe in one of those stand countries that you know we've never heard of. But maybe God says, you know what? I put you in the house where you're living in on purpose because the lost person next door needs salvation. And I put you there so you could go and share with them what I've done in your life. Maybe God is using you as a teacher or, you know, a carpenter or an accountant or, you know, whatever else. You know, there's whatever our job is, God can use us in that place. But outside of even where we work and where we live, there's things that God desires for us to do. And he calls us and he gives us opportunity to do it. Not so that we can say, hey, listen, look at my long list of deeds that I've done. No, that's not what it's for. But those deeds that we've done, they're testimony of the difference that Christ has made in your life and made in my life. It made the difference that Paul made, uh, God made in Paul's life and in Timothy's life. When God changes your life, He makes you new. He changes the direction of your life. He changes your priorities. He calls you to something better, to something holy. And so Paul says, you remember that. Don't you ever forget it. Especially those that are in, in leadership, especially pastors. Listen, being a pastor is a tough job. 
A lot of people say, well, man, that's easy. You only work two days a week, Wednesday and Sunday. And, man, you got the rest of the time you're, no. We're preparing for Sunday and Wednesday, but this is what happens on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, is we have to deal with you. And not just one of you, but all of you. And boy, we as people sometimes, you know, we have various needs and we look to our pastor to meet those needs. And, you know, it is a difficult calling, but I'm thankful I'll tell you what, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rather do anything else. And that's how you, by the way, know that you're doing what God wants you to do is when there's nothing else you'd rather be doing. But here's the point that I was going with that, as, especially when I was a young pastor. Now I'm old and I'm, you know, I had a full head of hair when I started preaching and, you know, I was, you know, a lot more spry and, boy, age has, has gotten me. But listen, uh, especially when I was young, people say, well, you're just a young preacher, you don't know yet. And that's how they looked at Timothy. They would put him down. And, and so Paul is reminded, he admonished Timothy not to let that happen in his first letter. And he's reminding him in the second letter, listen, God has called you, so it doesn't matter what anybody else says about what God's called you to do or how you're doing. You do what God has told you to do because he's the one that's called you. Here's the thing, though. God has called all of you to something. And I can assure you it's not bench warming. I can assure you that God has an active part for you to play in His plan of redemption for mankind. And by the way, when you say, you know, I think I'm just going to sit this one out, God's not the one that suffers. You are. Because God will accomplish His will, will or without you. But He'd a whole lot rather you come along for the ride. And so Paul says to Timothy, you remember, stir up in your memory, stir up the gift that God has given to you by the laying on of hands. And God has given every one of you spiritual and natural gifts and abilities that God intends for you to use for Him and for His glory. God blesses you to be a blessing to others. God has called you to a work. The question is, are you doing it? And how we are able to accomplish it? Well, that's the last thing. We stir out our fear. We stir up our calling and the last thing is, is that we stir up your indwelling. Paul says, you know what? The Spirit of God lives inside of you as a child of God. I know that He's there. He says, I believe that regardless of all the suffering that I'm going through, I'm going to keep doing what God has called me to do. And I know that the things that I've committed to God, God is going to keep until the last day. In other words, God is faithful. I, Paul says, I don't know the end of the story. I don't know how all this is going to work out. When Paul wrote this, it's most likely that he was in jail. He was in Rome. 
fixing to go before uh, Caesar, and probably, I know he expected, as he wrote this letter, to have his life taken from him. But he says, you know what, I wouldn't do anything else. He said, I know what God has called me to do. I know who I have believed. And I know he's able to take care of me. Jesus said this, said it this way. He said, when I leave, I'm sending one to comfort you and lead you. And he says, I know you don't want me to go, but it's good for you to go. Because if I stay, the helper won't come. And you need the helper. This is the one and how we know that God is able to keep those things that we've committed to him because the Holy Spirit of God it takes up residence inside of our life and indwells us. Lives inside of us and equips us to do what God has called us to do. So he says, you know what? God has called you, not according to your own purpose, but according to holiness and according to His purpose. Well, how do we know that? The Holy Spirit guides you and directs you. But here's the thing. We need to understand an important truth. When you're saved, when you ask Christ to come into your life, you receive that free gift of salvation, the Holy Spirit comes with it as a certificate of authenticity that, hey, listen, you really have been saved because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And you have as much of the Holy Spirit inside of you as you're ever going to have. And you're as saved as that mo- at that moment as you're ever going to be. So you have all of the Spirit. But the question is, does the Spirit have all of you? It's not the Spirit that ebbs and flows. It's you that ebbs and flows. And so Paul is saying, listen, you need to stir up the Spirit inside of you. That Spirit that's given you gifts and given you this calling and equipped you and can help you overcome the fear that you have and the resistance you have of being the person that God created you to be and doing the things that God created you to do. The Holy Spirit will help you to do it. If without the Holy Spirit, I can guarantee you that by the middle of the book of Acts, when Paul and Silas have been beaten and thrown into prison, without the Spirit, he said, you know what, enough's enough. I'm going home. I'm going back to the synagogue. I'm going back to, you know, tent make. I'm going back to the way things were before. But the Spirit lived inside of Paul. And so guess what happened when he was beaten within an inch of his life and thrown into prison? It's midnight when most of us would be sleeping. Guess what Paul and Silas were doing? They were singing and praying. Can I tell you, that didn't come from carnality. It didn't come from the self. It didn't come from a natural man. It came from the Spirit of God. And so Paul and Silas were in that jail cell and they were praying. Guess what happened? The prison doors opened. 
And the guard said, oh no, we've, we've got a prison break because of this earthquake that's come. And Paul stood up and said, hey listen, we're still here. Don't do anything rash. We're still here. And that jailer got saved. And guess what? Not only did that jailer get saved, but his whole family got saved because Cornelius took Paul and Silas out of the jail to his house. And Paul and Silas preached to his family and they all got saved. And so Paul then said, well, okay, Lord, you worked that out and I've done what I needed to. I've checked the box. I'm going home. No, he didn't. He sailed on. And he kept sailing on and kept sailing on. Until his ultimate sailing on was at the expense of the Roman government when he was on his way to Rome to see Caesar because he appealed, but God had told him he would go to Rome and speak before Caesar. And that's what he aimed to do. The secret of living this life, the secret of stirring up, is remembering that God has given you everything that you need. God has not given you a spirit of fear. God has given you a spirit of faith. And faith is the victory that overcomes the world. But not only has He given you faith, He's given you a, a seal of authenticity, a mark, if you will, of that uh, decision that you've made, and that's the Holy Spirit. The Comforter that lives inside of you and guides and directs you. And so, my question to you, friend, is this. Is the Holy Spirit that lives inside your life, are you keeping Him kind of low-key? Has it been a while since you've heard from Him? Chances are you haven't heard from Him a while. It's not because He's not talking. It's because you're not listening. But chances are the reason why he's not speaking as clearly as he once did is because you're pushing him away. You see, the thing about God, although he's all-powerful, in fact, he's the most powerful thing this universe knows, he will not force himself upon you. He allows you, even after you have the Holy Spirit living inside of your life, he still allows you to make your own choices. He will tell you and give you direction about what you should do, but He will leave it up to you whether you do it or not. And we could all, we won't, but we, we all, I'm sure, could stand and say, if I were to ask you, has there been a, decision, a time in your life when God's spoken to you, given you direction, and you said, no, I'm not doing that. I guarantee you that everyone in this auditorium has had that happen to them at some point in their life. And can I tell you that the Bible says that if that happens often enough, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will leave us. Not because God has pulled our salvation away, but because we have given our salvation away and said, I don't want it no more. So friend... Has the Holy Spirit been speaking to you? And more importantly, have you been listening? And God says to us today, listen, if it's been a while since the Holy Spirit's spoken to you, you need to store Him up. 
You need to wiggle him up. You know, if you've had a jar of mayonnaise that's been sitting in the cupboard too long and it begins to separate, you open that jar and you put that on your sandwich, it ain't going to taste good. But guess what? Before you open that jar, if you take that jar and you give it a good shake and mix it back up, then it will taste like it's supposed to. And maybe God is saying to you this morning, you know what? You need, it's time for you to do a little shaking. The Holy Spirit direction and influence in your life has begun to separate. And you need to get it back together. Well, the great thing about God is that He's loving and patient and gracious to us. That when we've allowed the Holy Spirit to kind of wane in our life, if we'll repent, if we'll come back to Him and we'll say, God, please give me a fresh pouring of the Holy Spirit, guess what He does? He will! And the Holy Spirit will again flow in us. The way that Jesus described the work of the Holy Spirit in our life was as a fountain flowing up in our life. You know, a fountain isn't just a, you know, a little babbling brook. Now, it's got some power behind it. And it's got some movement. Now, I'm not say, talking about becoming mystical or, you know, the name and claim it kind of nonsense that uh, sometimes... But the Holy Spirit indwells the child of God. And we have all of Him. Again, the question is, does He have all of us? And I can assure you, he wants all of you. And can I tell you that the more of you that the Holy Spirit has control over, the more God's able to use you. And the more that God does through you. And the more and the clearer that you hear God speak to you. So friend, when God says to us this morning, you know what? you got to stir it up. Maybe you're here today and you've got to stir out some fear. Maybe fear is keeping you from doing what you know God has called you to do. You kick the devil in his teeth and say, you know what, no more. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to have faith like David had and I'm going to pick up five rocks. And I'm going to slay the giants that are in my life. Maybe here today, you know what, you say, hey, yeah, I know that I'm saved, but I don't know what God's called me for. Maybe today you just need to say, Lord, I need you to show me what, you're, what I'm supposed to be doing. And here's the thing, if we ask God to show us what we're supposed to be doing, He will. And we say, God, give me opportunity to serve you, He will. Or maybe it's that, you know what, that indwelling has begun to separate a little bit. Maybe the Holy Spirit doesn't have quite as much of you as He once did. And you need to do some shaking up today. And say, Lord, have all of me. Because the truth is, it's only when God has all of us 
that we have all of him and that we know what he's created us to be. There is great peace and freedom in knowing that you are who God wants you to be and where God wants you to be and you're doing what he wants you to do. There's great freedom in that. Sadly, it's a freedom that far too many Christians never find. Not because God doesn't want to give it, but because they don't want to receive it. So maybe today you say, you know what, Lord? I need to stir up that spirit that's inside of me. I need to reactivate him in my life. I need to know what it is to have the fullness of the Spirit of God in my life. And the thing is, again, if we ask for it, God will give it. So let's pray again. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. Lord, we thank you for your word and how it challenges us. And Lord, there are times in all of our lives when we allow the things of this world to crowd you out. There are times in our lives when we just flat out disobey you. Lord, forgive us for that. And Lord, we're so thankful that you share your amazing grace. That your word's faithful that if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That you restore us. Lord, maybe there's one here today and this message has been for them that, you know what, they know God's called them to do some things, but they're afraid of what others will say. And they're afraid of failure. They're afraid of whatever it might be. And today you'd speak to them, child, have faith. and Don't be afraid. Fear not. Maybe one of your children here today has been reminded of the calling that you've placed on their life. Maybe it's a calling to be a teacher, maybe a Sunday school teacher. Maybe you've placed a calling on them just to be a help in the church. Maybe it's that you've called them to help this church reach this community. Lord, maybe there's one here today that just simply needs to say, you know, God, I need a fresh wind, a a fresh fire from you. God, help us to remember the gift that is inside of us and the calling that is upon us and help us to realize the power and the truth of that. Forgive us when we don't do that, Lord. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Let's stand together, Uh, we'll sing a hymn of invitation, God spoke into your heart.